Kia ora everyone. This episode of The Stag Roar is brought to you by Shearsies. After COVID last year, I wanted to start putting away some money to create a little bit of a nest egg on top of what I was already doing with KiwiSaver. Shearsies allowed me to invest $25 a week in the share market and see the returns. If you'd like to start investing in the share market, follow the link in the show notes and you'll receive $5 to go towards your first investment. Check it out in the show notes. Follow the link to Shearsies. The music, eh? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, tennis? Yeah, uh, no, so these ones will do probably that sort of in your face. Okay. Yeah, and give it a big slurp. (laughs) 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 So the other day, the legend Jimmy Hunt put out that he wanted to talk to like New Zealand psychologists and stuff like that. And um, then I was like, oh, I'd like to talk to some New Zealand psychologists. And, but I'd like to expand that out to be science educators mm. in New Zealand. I'd like a, a David Sinclair of New Zealand, a Lex mm. Friedman of New Zealand, Andrew Hubman of New Zealand. Oh, you saw that post? Yeah. So that's when I, then that's when I like, went back through my catalogue. I was like, well, who have I spoken with that's like science educator? And um, of course, you two were in there. Luke, Luke's been in there three times. <laughs> and I was like, all right, these. These two now are the, what, what is it? Is it the, the, the Rob Wolf and his wife of, of the world? Or, or are we more like a Gabby Reese um, sort Ooh. of, uh, what's his? What's Led. Led Hamilton vibe. Mm, I'll let <laughs> you answer that. You're mm. Luke's good name before. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know which one. You like turmeric though, eh? So. Yeah. And right. surf. Led superfoods, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I must admit, when I've been doing a lot of the reading and things, yeah. and I, you hear about these partners that are involved, you know, with the either the health or the tech space or whatever, entrepreneurial kind yeah. of area, um, I keep saying to, to Luke, like, they're still not us. <laughs> they're, st- they're still different. Like, I, I just feel like sometimes um, people either come from, like, either sport or sporting background or got really fortunate being involved with an entrepreneurial activity quite young. Mm. And they don't necessarily have like real deep science backgrounds. Yes, I think um, some I think of them like do. Don't Rob, get me Rob wrong. Rob Wolf's kind of biochemistry and his wife's CrossFit. Um, Lead is obviously big wave surfing and Gabby's volleyball. Yeah. And then the they they're like I guess their main product is their pool training and stuff like that. Mm. And then they branched out into I guess affiliate products like Superfood. Mm. Same same with the Wolf's like how they got Element or yeah. electrolytes. You know, podcasting, books. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they all got their own group. Mm. And that's okay too. Yeah. We're just, you know, Luke and Rach. Luke and Rach. <laughs> the hub. Tailored hub. <laughs> Which, of course, is not just you two. Well, who, who else do you guys got there at the hub there? Is it Clarence Street? Uh, Tristram. Tristram Street. <laughs> Good old Tristram. Yeah. So yeah. Who, who else you got there? Uh, so we've got a team of 16 people now. So everything that covers mindset, lifestyle, nutrition, and movement. Nice. Yeah. So uh, as part of that, we have uh, uh, health coaches, life coaches, trauma specialists, kind of the mindset element, come into lifestyle, a little bit kind of overflow into there as well. Um, then we got your nutritionist, your clinical nutrition, um, community movement specialists, your massage therapy, a clinical exercise physiologist, uh, yeah, we've got a full battery of people to kind of wrap around and um, support people, um, depending on where they need it. Nice. 
What attra- what attracts you to the place, Rachel? Well, I mean, this is the genesis, right? So mm. where I met Luke. So um, fast forwarding, rewinding, sorry, a bit. Uh, I met Luke with in, in a retreat. It was like a leaders retreat. Mm-hmm. It went down to Queenstown, and uh, and then obviously got to know him as a friend uh, among many other great new friends from that particular leadership retreat. And it wasn't until I got the the chief product officer role. And I was like, I need to be a total weapon at what I do. I need to just build world-class products, um, work with some incredible individuals at that particular company. And um, I came to Luke and I was like, I've negotiated a health stipend as a part of the package. Mm -hmm. And this is the stipend. Can you make me the best version of myself? And what does that look like? And so that's where, you know, I guess as a part of Luke's very science-backed, holistic kind of approach, started to really feed into how do we take the best of you know human performance and break it down into small steps and get you there mm. and um and so i guess the hub has always been about the four pillar health philosophy philosophy so you've always had that vision but then it was really like how do you take that into the executive space mm-hmm. it's no longer just athletes or you know sports people generally it's actually how do you bring performance into the cognitive space the um, the endurance and stamina around um, you know stress levels with new projects, you know big multinational deals. Like how do you take it to a whole new level mm. and bring um, you know a whole new level of leadership and capacity to lead, which is really what the hub then turned into. Uh, and then we we have lots of other plans there too around educational kitchens and you know breathing more into the four pillar health philosophy. Um, so it's no longer just sort of this traditional gym space mm. which always feels very heavy and transactional into a more like how do you lift yourself mm. on a bar like mm-hmm. how do you push how do you pull how do you figure out how to navigate your life because you want to be able to you know pick up your child or run around and and play tickle monster with them or whatever it is and how do you actually bring that to a lifestyle rather than just fit for gym it's fit for life mm. so mm. that's been an interesting journey but that's sort of how that progression actually unfolded so was Rachel your first client that came to you with like a design phase for what does me look like as high performance individual executive uh so I've dealt with many executives over the time but not any that really wanted to create the process with me Uh, (laughs) (laughs) generally they come to me with very little understanding of what they need Mm -hmm. um or a background in biochemistry and understand all the unique uh, constructs, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So she could help me deconstruct it and understand what is actually needed from her standpoint as well. So it became a quite a unique partnership from that standpoint as well. So just mm-hmm. kind of really teasing out uh, the finer detail, I guess. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we flip the clickbait six-week program to the individual stepping stone designed personal lifetime health yeah i mean it's been a it's i think it's fair to say real health is slow health Mm. and i was just like everyone else we think if i just kick my ass in the gym for 12 weeks or if i just start to meditate for 30 days my Mm. life will change Mm. (laughs) it's just not how life is right and i think um a lot of the paradigms I had around health and what that means and what that means to me and how I'd gotten myself to that point, I had to really unbecome and unwind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really, it started how with how I was thinking and how I was talking to myself. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until I really started to see the language I used 
into myself in the mirror or um, around how much anxiety I created with these stories. And my brain's great at telling stories. I mean, Luke's like, your brain's made to be a storyteller around just things that weren't real, mm-hmm. right? There's this wonderful quote that says something like, I have gone through some of the world on my, my life or people's worst lives, like worst situations, worst kind of um, losses, grief, whatever. And 90% of it all mm. just happened in my head. Mm. And I was just like, wow. So there's these types of things where it's just like, how much are you actually eroding yourself because of those those you know, self-talk sort of narrative elements? And what language are you using? So I've been a big fan of language um, as I've kind of you know, progressed in my product development space is how do we how do we imbue and embody language and products that we build and craft? And equally, if we are a product, if we are our ultimate product, individual, as, as an individual, yeah, as a product. person, if we are the most magnificent product we will ever build, which is actually very true, right? Because mm. we, we are made, not born necessarily. We, of course, we were born, but um, then it really comes to what is the story you're telling? What is the narrative? What, is the, what are the words you're, you're using? And when you're saying things like, you're not enough, um, you will never be understood, you are wrong, um, you know, all these types of things that you just keep hammering yourself with in the narrative, you become that product. Mm. And so I think as much as I'd love to be able to deconstruct a life worth living and the health worth fighting for in six weeks, um, it's you can build a model and the model and the principles are the thing that then breathes into the outcome. Mm. But it first starts with the mindset and the behaviors and the narratives and the habits. And that's why I really, I guess, fell in love with the Four Pillar Health philosophy because it was the first time there was language mm. around the steps to true long health. And to navigate that mindset and lifestyle element was just critical to, to the whole movement and nutrition space. Mm. Because we know everyone that comes in, what do they want to do? Go to the gym and just literally smash themselves. Uh, it's just a continuous stream of self harm, I guess. Um, <laughs> it is self harm. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, we don't know what to do. We'll just put ourselves into the hole further and further. And then it's just so much harder to climb out um, because we just keep digging deeper and deeper. So it's really stripping back the constructs of society because that's how it's taught us. That's what we do need to do to be healthy. We need to have a calorie deficit. And we need to just drive ourselves into the ground and, and just six run. Six pack abs. Yeah, six Type pack abs. Thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, twelve. Yeah, you want to whatever? Yeah. Why not? Whatever is the latest and greatest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I've been started following this girl. She's a Kiwi in Australia. It's been to the CrossFit Games. She's called CrossFit Kate. She's quite a varied way of looking at the world. And um, there's the meme out there with the, the guy with sunglasses holding up the signs. And one of her. She's adopted it. Um, you know, she's an Instagram person, um, does online programming. And one of her things was stop jumping programs. Like mm. programming is amazing, but no bloody good if you're doing, oh, I don't like that, that one day I want to flag, um, flog myself again, so I'll steal that program and I'll flog yep. myself again. Mm. And I'll go, oh, there's a flog myself program or, or vice versa. Yeah. You, you just sit in the middle, oh, I don't want to do any of these. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. just got an array of programs like, well, I think the the other big thing is there's so many organisations out there at the moment that are just the one one all mm-hmm. fits program. Uh, it's like here you go, here's a, a blanket program that should apply to the 
um, to everybody. Like it's just from movement to nutrition to even mindset elements. The biggest thing that we do at Tailored, you know, it's in the name. It's we we tailor it to the individual because yeah, you know, you got you got <laughs> to use what you got. Uh, <laughs> um, because yeah, too often people are just trying to take this shotgun approach and this should work. Um, but the thing is, the thing that we've learned um, over the last decade I've been in this industry um, with Tailored is everyone is uniquely different and we all have different physiology, biochemistry, genetics, um, and these are things we need to account for. And then on top of all that, those foundational pillars, we have the lifestyle elements, you know, how, how do we actually live our life? Uh, yeah, there's so many elements that we should have just neglected and like, you can do this. Mm. So what, what's, what's fostering the community the buy-in like this is this is as we've just said like this is a mind shift this is a paradigm you know like what's what are you finding is working so far not to give away the special sauce <laughs> <laughs> well i suppose the key thing is it's stripping back the contracts and building community around that um yeah. around challenging the status quo and actually looking at first principles um too often we're clouding the water um with too much of you know, the outcome measures, not actually looking at first principles, what is actually going to work for me mm-hmm. as an individual. So, and then creating a community around that that is willing to, to learn, to fail and learn and uh, understand, I guess, is that what we like to call biocurious. So they're curious about their biology. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think too often people are just looking for that, that answer. It's not going to be, not going to come very quickly. Because uh, even with diagnostics, you've got eight-week turnaround until you kind of start to get the results from diagnostics, then you need to start applying those sort of things. And then even with the diagnostics, you can start to get into this route of having, creating issues that are not issues. Uh, so there's elements of that too. So there's, what we're trying to teach people is to become biocurious and just understand their own unique biochemistry and biology. Mm-hmm. So, and it's creating that community around that because it's all about building that tribe or that community that will help influence that. You said, you said about language, mm. and like you're both wearing aura rings, you can start gaming, gaming, going to sleep. Yeah. You know, or yeah. you can be really upset and ruin your day because my aura rings had, had a bad sleep. Like, <laughs> well, it starts even with our children. So yeah. um, both our children have aura rings. So the entire family have aura rings. I eye my daughter's gold one all the time. I've got a black one. I digress. They didn't come out with it later. But anyway, um, but what's really beautiful about that, and I think, I think the key phrase is not only biocurious, but also having body literacy. Because we aren't taught at school, really. We have human biology, but we it's its the ones and zeros of bio. Like, what does your body do fundamentally mm-hmm. in a vacuum? <laughs> How should it function in a vacuum? But then it's like we're not lab rats or other things where you, you know, can control an environment so tightly that mm-hmm. it functions like ones and zeros and, and you know, this perfect little ecosystem. Um, and so... Where even with our children, while they have the aura ring and while there's a conversation around, oh, how did you sleep? Um, and they immediately go to the aura, which we do, and say, oh, you know, I've got an 85 or a 92. We really instill in them, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Right? And then talk through them through, like, you know, did you wake up a lot? Um, were you, were you, you know, dreaming a lot? Um, and, and it's just trying to give them the real, um, the moment to sort of sit and think, hmm, yeah, how did I sleep? How am I feeling? Hmm. Am I tired? Am I cranky? Do I feel energetic? Um, but it's just actually getting them to check in on themselves, which we don't really get taught. 
And we have great books um, here as well about how does my heart feel? Mm-hmm. And it literally goes through different um, states of how you're feeling and what the color is and if it's prickly, if it's smooth, like where do you feel it? And so my, my daughter, who's wonderful, but um, compared to my son, she probably doesn't quite have as much of an EQ chip. She might come back to me in 10 years' time and say, Mom, come on, please. But, um, you know, we're working on that because, of course, everyone's different. But it's been really powerful for her to sit down and us go through the book. And because she likes to run away from conflict and emotion because she doesn't know how to handle it, mm. which I actually think might mean that she's even more hyperintuitive to EQ, but she doesn't know how to navigate it. Um, we can actually talk through, like, oh, um, okay, we work through those items. And then we say, like, what's an example of what happened with your brother yesterday like how did you feel which page is this Mm -hmm. and then even generally speaking I can say to her when we think about the book where are you at right now and she'll be like oh my heart feels really heavy and it's green a little bit prickly (laughs) and so we can actually give that literacy to it again language Mm. um, checking Mm. in and um, to your point before I think what's changing the market which is the timing's right where there's become more of a mass ascension around there must be more Mm-hmm. Than all of this CrossFit, F45, like you know, BFT, all this stuff. Like, there's more to life than just those numbers. Mm. And I can hurt myself, injure myself, but it doesn't change my outcome. Like, I just end up feeling old and tired. And so, we're seeing a lot more holistic approaches these days, a lot more conversations around you know, holistic psychology, um, talking about trauma and trauma bonds and you know, mapping and all this kind of stuff. And so the language is starting to keep up or you know, catch up with this concept that many people, many leaders in the space have been harping on about hmm. for years. But we're finally getting to the point where the society is like, I'm sick of the old way. I just want to feel better. And what does it look like? Hmm. And so getting more people coming to us because they genuinely want something different and they want lifelong health. And what does that look like? Those are the people that are starting to wake up and come to us at Tailored. Because the other thing to go with that as well is those that are you know, pursuing those other options, they're not uh, helping themselves in any way. They actually put themselves further in the hole. They're aging quicker. The injuries are slowing them down and it's just making them much harder to come back. Mm. And so what we're seeing time and time again, and in particular with COVID is another great example, is the post-COVID burnout. Like business owners and leaders in general uh, they worked so hard through last year and um, trying to keep the business afloat. Mm. And then, you know, the adaption to it afterwards as well as we, you know, dealt with the new normal. Um, and then dropping back into it just now, you know, the execs and the business owners that we deal with, they're really struggling right now and they were struggling before this. So um, right, right now is a really crucial, crucial point that is going to cause a whole bunch of uh, distress, really. Mm. Um, so it's going to be an interesting space to see how many people start to adapt this because if they don't adapt it they're just going to keep going down this hole because what worked for them previously is not going to work for them going forward uh, because we're just in this inundated society where it's overload Um, we've got technology that is continuously giving us notifications we've got emfs surrounding us you know there's so many environmental things that we can no longer escape from work to family to lifestyle that people need to start to address otherwise they're just going to be climbing down this hill, mm. this hole that mm. we need to pull them back out of. And it's just harder and harder the longer they leave it. Yeah. So it's an interesting duality. And um, one thing that I think we're trying to do really well is folk, it's the marriage between the subjective and the objective. Mm. So the qualitative and quantitative. So bringing those two together. 
um, because they shouldn't be separate, they should be together. Because you often get the scientists that focus on the quantitative uh, and then the people that, you know, the, the psych- psychologists that may be more on the subjective, the, um, the, using the language, but we're trying to marriage those two together. So it's that, um, yeah, duality. Bio-augmentation, of, right? Yeah. It's the beautiful symphony between the ones and zeros, the data, and the, the anthropology. Hmm. Mm. Back, to, back to Jim Hunt, which is where I started. He released a podcast with another great science educator in this country, um, Professor Grant Schofield, yesterday. And yeah, they went into the psychology and the biology, and it's it's a really fantastic. Um, that Grant sort of thinks it's more the GABA glutamate rather than what we've been focusing on with the, the serotonin. And he he um, lays out a very good argument, and I don't, I don't know where what it's come from. Whether it's just that I look at a pupil all day <laughs> and look at look at accommodation all day, or my background. Um, in my undergraduate looking at neuroscience and thinking man the autonomic nervous system is amazing mm. um, but that just spoke to me and that's that's where my, my bias comes in that that speaks to me but you you brought up a, a good point there Rachel that it's what does better look like and also with you you said people are going down the slope and continuing down the hole and you're trying to climb them back out again if we're outcomes focused then, then we're never there and the further we are away from our outcome then the more disheartened we get. Mm. But if we can focus on what is better, what can we do better than, you know, that, mm. that's that's going to get us out of the hole and then hopefully yeah. give us a little bit more resilience and a little, yeah. little bit more buffer to this overstress or times of stress, you know. Yeah, exactly. So that's why we're leading into the behavioural psychology elements of it where we're doing nudging. Um, so we're not about... Um, big transformational change mm-hmm. it's about how can we get a quick win on the cards ASAP <laughs> uh, so really looking in you know what's the MVP um, that we can really get you to that so what, what's MVP in this context so MVP in this context is minimal viable so it's a oh, minimal viable product type thing yeah kind of product oh, sorry, or performance, performance or whatever yeah. it might be right yeah I was thinking most valuable player sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. why not too <laughs> we'll go MPVW M- Minimal viable win, I guess. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's really just trying to give them a win on the books as soon as possible. But also, look, what we try to, what we do in our four pillar philosophy is identify what is the pillar that they need to address first and foremost. Obviously, there's a sequence in what we need to focus on mindset, lifestyle, nutrition, then movement. Um, but within that, they're going to have deficiencies. So, where do we start first? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it could be a simple thing like starting the morning with a glass of water. Like that's so many people are not drinking water these days and it's just such a powerful way to really enhance your system like it's really bringing people back to the foundational elements of health and this is the hardest thing i find is so many people are so disconnected with the basics Mm -hmm. and they just think of it the basics and they just want all the, the the biotech the clinical diagnostics they want all the high level um biohacking stuff but they're not doing the foundations first. Like you can't do that without the foundations. Uh, you need to drink water. You need to move. You need to chew. Um, you, yeah, it's you just sleep. Like, sleep and sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to sleep. Yeah, that's, that's the key word I forgot. That's <laughs> one of your favorites. Yeah, sleep is definitely one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, so it's like people are bored by the basics, focusing on the the high level stuff without the foundation. So you're building on a platform that is off 
unstable foundations. Well, you're also looking at society norms, right? Yeah. People are rewarded, and this is where the self-harm comes from. Mm-hmm. There are a variety of self-harm behaviours that are actually rewarded by society. It's the late nights. Mm-hmm. It's the no sleep. It's the getting up at four o'clock in the morning to work out. Um, you know, it's the deadline. It's the eight o'clock meeting. It's the working right until you go to bed. You know, it, the the reality is there needs to be a shift in what does society societal norms actually do to either improve people's health or continue to erode it mm-hmm. and again there there is slowly an improvement in these conversations and more people really questioning like is that something to be celebrating like just because you pulled an all-nighter or this is a norm for you does not mean you should be wearing a badge like mm-hmm. that's actually really erosive and creates also a cultural disparity at workplace so that's okay and that's normal um, which again puts more people into the hole and, and you know impacts things like productivity and all that kind of good stuff but um, yeah, the, it's just interesting to, to have these conversations because even some of the business owners we speak with, and we're very selective about who we work with, and for the most part, we can see when people are ready when they're not. Mm. And when they're not, we don't try to force, force it because something else needs to change. But there, for example, were two business owners, very you know, high-performing people, and they're sharing with me some of their challenges. Their husband and wife team, they, they're having gut issues, they're, you know, they're seeing um, regression of muscle tissue, you know, they're weaker, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, I spoke them through, like, you know, what does your lifestyle look like? Tell me about what you're actually doing. What does your day look like? And long story short, it got to the point where I was really frank with them. I said, unless something changes in your lifestyle, nothing that you do to implement new healthy practices will stick. Because hmm. you're still having late nights. You're still going to bed at one o'clock in the morning. You know, you're still um, working so hard and, you know, from, from nine to five, not taking a break. And you're saying that's okay. Like, something needs to change there. And, um, you know, you've got this habit of, of a bottle of wine every night to, to wind down because that's your crutch. And it's okay. You know, relationships with alcohol are important to acknowledge. Mm. Um, that, that thing in your life that is a crutch like alcohol, wine, whatever it might be, um, exists because it's helping you cope. It's your coping mechanism, and you've got a relationship with that coping mechanism. And so people say, oh, I can't stop drinking. It's just like, yeah, because it's a relationship you've had in your life for like five years. Mm-hmm. You can't split up from wine <laughs> and not be really upset, especially when it's so easy to just come back and, and pour yourself another glass. And so I said to these this couple, which are incredible people, but it's like until you start to really assess your life and what's important to you, then no amount of work that we can do with you will actually make a change or make a difference. And that really like shook them up. They're like, actually, you're really, really right. Where is my life going? Where do we want to be in five years? If we want all the stuff and health, like we have to choose one. Mm-hmm. You can't have it all. Mm-hmm. And this is where another critical uh, line in the sand comes. So often we tell these people these things and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, that's a full overhaul. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're stripping everything back. We're going to be perfect. Uh, and that's just not going to achieve anything. Like, because again, you you're going through the outcomes focused um, approach. So, it's really putting the brakes on them and teaching them to slow down. And let's just pick one thing. So it comes back to that behavioural nudging. You know, that quick win. So if we're going to focus on one thing, what's the one thing that's going to have the biggest impact for this individual? Obviously, getting to sleep yeah. on time. Like, there's nothing more. Like, at a, from a performance standpoint, there is nothing more powerful than sleep. So let's, uh, and health obviously as well. So we need to be getting them to sleep. So mm. let's not necessarily get the perfect sleep time, but let's start winding that back to a more reasonable time. 
mm-hmm. um, and understanding, you know, the physiology around that. You know, for example, we know at 11 o'clock we're going to get a dose of adrenaline. So let's maybe not let them get that second wind. Let's try and get it just before that 11 o'clock, which is still not an ideal bedtime in my eyes. But if we can get them into sleep before 11 o'clock, they're not going to get that hit of adrenaline. They're not going to get that second wind. They're not going to feel like they can keep working. Instead, they'll be tired to go to sleep. Mm. Um, but then again, people think that sleep is a off switch, mm. which it really isn't. Oh, I've thought, I thought that for years. Yeah. <laughs> like, surely if I just you know, find a way to just calm down enough, then my sleep switch will just go off and I'll be out. No, no, no. Yeah. What they don't realize is you should be doing the right things in the morning. So mm. it all starts with a good morning routine. So that's when a sleep starts in my eyes. Like that's how you set up yourself for success is in the morning. Um, so a good evening routine starts in the morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love this. Um, you guys, the you know, you threw me with the MVP there, and I was not on on the same page with you. <laughs> and, then, and like you, you said as well, like uh, language, and you're talking about us being the product. Why why have you done that? I'm thinking sort of design thinking, like um, sort of navigating all the ideas on on the floor, and they're like, what's the small, you know. Um, small gains that we can make like why why product why mm. why are we thinking it as a product I think it's because at the end of the day everything that we think do input in and around ourselves forms who we are mm-hmm. right so we, we talk about we think a lot of the a lot of my language around product is a lot more broad than many others would suggest at the end of the day whatever we put out to to the world right whether it's the way we present ourselves to our our peers or our partner or whatever is a product of what you've been doing, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, eating, living, moving, all that kind of stuff, right? So we are a byproduct of that. And, um, you know, what we, we've realized is there are a couple of key ingredients required to take yourself in a long journey to a great product or even products every day you know what, what you are every single day and a part of that is having faith in a process mm. and I, I can speak to that just as a as an example so I tried so many before I met Luke and Taylor I tried so many online apps like mm. different workout apps uh, settled on sweat for a long time um, take it as you will but the decision I made on Sweat, there are many apps much better than that, but they do an amazing job, don't get me wrong, um, is I said, I'm going to just have absolute blind faith in this app mm-hmm. and these designers for at least 12 weeks. Like, I'm not even going to think about not showing up. I'm going to say, right, these guys must be onto something. They have obviously got this great app um, and a whole community that comes, you know, comes together. And for 12 weeks, I did it. And there were times I literally, I had to um, roll out of, I had to force myself to literally roll out of bed to the point where you, you literally roll and then fall out because just trying to get out and have my workout gear right by in my my, um, my bed mm-hmm. and just literally go on autopilot mm-hmm. and say, this is my routine. This is my, this is my thing for 12 weeks. And guess what happened? I got results. Mm-hmm. Like I got stronger. I got fitter, I felt better about myself, and I, in the process of trusting, trusting the process, trusting every day showing up for my health, not for anybody else but myself, actually worked. Mm-hmm. And, and when we think about what we do at Tailored, even what we're doing with Tailored Technologies specifically, 
is we're working to deconstruct this highly complex system of biodata and behavioral psychology and starting to build a system or a process and an interface, an app that will tell you daily nudges, will give you daily nudges. All you gotta do is have faith in the system because we've all done all the hard work in the background, mm. right? all the science, all the deep tech, et cetera, et cetera. What do I do today at a minimum to show up for myself? And we often talk about like, your best today isn't the same as your best tomorrow, mm -hmm. but do something that's better. And so if we can mm. kind of create these small little wins, these small little nudges every day and give people, um, give people a reason to have faith in the system, then you will see results. But again, it just take, it takes that trust and faith in the process. But it also comes back to what are the results you're seeking as well. So mm. coming into it, you know, Rach did really well in the sweat app. She got fit, she got strong, she lost weight, but at what cost as well. Mm. So um, the big part she's missing here is, you know, that led into some chronic fatigue and burnout. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because she wasn't just layering on this movement, she was working like a dog. Like she was... Um, going through a very stressful transition period um, into a new role which launched into COVID. Um, yeah, like you started, your first day was in the start of COVID, the first week of COVID, I believe. Lockdown, yeah. yeah lock March 31st or something? Or? 27th, mm, yeah, whatever. whatever it was last year. In <laughs> yeah. um, a new role. So, yeah, like there's, it, this is where we need to really have smart goal setting and understand what they're actually trying to achieve and what they want in the long term not the short term, um, because obviously, who doesn't want to be stronger, less weight, um, and... Better composition. Yeah, better composition. So, yeah. like, it's, that's great, but at what cost? Yeah. It's like trying to get a six-pack at the cost of your overall enjoyment of life, your libido, your um, enjoyment of just food in general, energy levels, you know, the amount of people that pursue the six-pack at the cost of their health is ridiculous. Or joy, yeah, enjoy. Yeah. And so to give more color to that, I mean, I'd been doing that uh, for about three months in the end before I hit that kind of screeching halt on that new role when that started. But what was interesting is I kept trying to do the same thing. And that's where the distinction is, is I kept trying to do the same thing, waking up at five o'clock every morning, every second day doing a 5K run, alternate day it would be you know the, the app. And I kept trying to do that even though the stress and my lifestyle had changed so dra dramatically. I still tried to like claw a hold of this thing because it was my coping mechanism too. And so what was very interesting and what ended up um, happening is I ended up getting injured. Mm -hmm. So I overused my shoulder. I get impingement day or something like that. Yeah. And so I, I suddenly had to stop because my hip was causing me problems. My shoulder was causing me pro problems. I started to kind of break down. The, the exercise regime I started was my coping mechanism. So there was a whole like psychological, like, what am I gonna do? There's got all the stress. I'm trying to navigate this as healthily as I can. And it really required um, a lot of faith. And I had lucky to have, you know, one of the best performance, human performance coaches in the, you know, at least the Southern hemisphere in, you know, right in front of me and living with me. And so he was able to take, take it back and say, you need to start walking, which, oh my gosh, I've got a great video we often share to some of our high performers with me on a, in a camera saying they're telling me to walk. Like, I just, <laughs> I can't deal. Like, this is not my coping strategy. I'm not okay with this. I'm incredibly uncomfortable and frustrated because mm -hmm. I don't want to just flip and walk. And so, um, but there was a wonderful uh, quote. I can't remember who it was from, but basically they said, 
whatever you're resisting the most mm. is probably what you need the most right in that in that moment in time but you know that you can use that to your <laughs> to detriment as well but in that case walking and taking it slow and changing my behavior to adapt to my lifestyle and the new stresses was actually the most important part to your point that when you say yes to some things you say no to others mm. and if you're trying <clears throat> to get that six pack or lose mm. 10 kilos what are you saying no to as a result are you saying no to that awesome date night you know dinner where you get to splurge and enjoy that humongous Pavlova or whatever it is <laughs> um you're you know you're taking a little bit bit of joy out mm. um and and you've got to be okay to say no to those things but that's ultimately the the, the challenge yeah no it's funny you said about coping mechanisms and getting getting her we're talking about training for the uh, ultra yeah before we started <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a cathartic experience um you know what, what do we say COVID breaking up lost my grandfather financially stressed getting getting out of all those things i was just like if i if i can roll out of bed and do what's on that little piece of paper that's six months long Mm. i can just keep going like that was just like the the thing well that can be the saving grace like for me it was that it was pretty much exactly the same right (laughs) you know from my ex-husband everything around me was out of control yeah. And I had to control one thing. I was like, I have to control one thing and be okay. And that was the five o'clock alarm going off, mindlessly doing this plan. And then that gave me a sense of control before my world just became completely unpredictable yeah. at six o'clock. When the kids woke <laughs> up or whatever is going on. I was like, I've got to have an hour where I have some degree of control. Yeah. No, it was um, very therapeutic. And uh, it was funny coming down the hill absolute agony from from being up on the port hills of Christchurch coming down the hill uh, I was in the last 5k's and it was just like this wave of emotion came over and just bawled my eyes out running down running down this hill and I was like well that was weird and then yeah got to the finish line Billy was there I was like wow oh. yeah it was pretty pretty special yeah yeah and uh, mum and dad as well yeah no it was it was a, a lot of a lot of release came with that and, yeah um yeah with with my new girlfriend as well it was just kind of like it was kind of the, the mark in the sand of like, I need to get this done. Like, it was, it's weird. I need to get this done for some reason. Mm. Um, I'd love to work towards doing another one properly, like you see, without all the injuries and things. But <laughs> yeah, that that was a lot of, I need to get this done. You know, it wasn't 101, which would have been completely stupid, but it was still... Yeah, yeah, it was something. It was something. Yeah. And, and that's okay, because it's, it's a process yeah. of self, you know, coping and... Um, the mechanisms we use to to adapt to whatever's going on and now for example i learn i know more about sleep in this the cycles that your body undergoes throughout the night mm. and i don't get up at six anymore like that's just a rule now six, um so not at five sorry i might get up at six at the very earliest mm-hmm. but i have a, we have a rule i have a rule now thankfully as well that six o'clock is my hard line i don't get up before then even if I wake up at one o'clock and I'm like monkey mind and I'd normally get up and do just start working for the day. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't do that anymore. Have you figured out your chronotype? Yeah, she's a lion. Sorry? She'd be a lion. A, a lion. A lion? Yeah. I haven't heard of these chronotypes. Oh, so Michael Bruce. Um, so he's written, what's the book? It's all about chronotypes. So he talks about lions, bears, dolphins and wolves. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so a lion is... Uh, a morning, um, what's it called? Uh, early bird. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so lions are kind of like an early bird, you know, like to start early. Uh, your bears kind of are the glue of society. They kind of keep everybody together. Because uh, they have that classic nine to five. Yeah, classic type nine to five productivity window. Yeah, yeah and then um, your wolves are generally you know, kind of night owls, 
And then your dolphins are a bit of an anomaly. I don't know if I quite agree with his dolphins, to be honest, um, because I would actually say there's just circadian dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so... so how, how, how do they fit in? Like, are they, like, really just um, abstract, like, real random hours in the night, which is, just doesn't make sense with evolution. So from may, maybe what Lex Freeman thinks he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic coda, you know. Yeah. 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 I, think, I think I'm a lion, but... It's probably the adrenaline you spoke about before. I can then get into twilight and turn on again. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was one of the most painful things to kind of unwind for Rach because she was just so ingrained with you know the productivity when like myself. But yeah, it was the marriage of the data with the subjective. So subjectively, she thought she was prime time, but then when I was able to bring the data in to kind of prove this it, for the evening. Uh, no, this is for sleep in general, so yeah. really focusing on that, um, understanding her circadian rhythm. Mm. So, you know, we had a bit of an experiment. We were like, okay, what happens if you do sleep to a, a reasonable time? What what does that change? Because I'd, I'd previously done this with myself, and because I, I used to be the 5 a.m. as well. That's when I would get my deepest whip block of work done. Obviously, when I was training for Ironman and all that, I had to squeeze time in, and I always wanted to work before I went training mm-hmm. because... Like, otherwise I come back and I just can't think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I would always block that window out. Um, but what I learned at the compromise of that is I wasn't getting my REM sleep. So my REM sleep is generally from about 5 a.m. to 6.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get a good like hour and a half in the, within that block, hour to hour and a half. And by not doing that, I'm sacrificing that. And that just, like when you look at longevity, you know, and the ability to... Uh, process memories and you know store them and um, yeah just general function like you need your REM sleep that Mm. is extremely important not one not one sleep cycle is better than the other they're all important but the REM was just getting sacrificed day in day out Um, so I you know gave it the experiment like let's get some data taking the aura ring off what what have you noticed taking the aura ring off yeah what do you mean so like if you didn't have data saying yeah, you got these room room sleep what have, what have you noticed about your sleep yeah it's, it's massively improved um like i generally have a um much better energy flow throughout the day don't crash as much um, a lot more consistent um yeah do you notice your dreams or do you have more dreams yeah definitely are, are they more intense dreams like what does that look Wait, like? I want to understand the question better. So, so you're saying when you take off the aura and it be more just your own, yeah, you're how intuitive, are you feeling? And, you're, and, yeah, you're and you sleep without the aura and then you go from there? Is that what you mean? Uh, no, so sort of. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for aura telling you, yes, you got this band of red, yeah. what would be the intuitive measures, metrics of... So, yeah, so REM is your emotional reset. Yeah. So uh, you can think about when you get your REM sleep, you're emotionally sound. Um, and, you, and you feel that and notice that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. significantly. Um, in particular, since my concussion. Um, so post-concussion, REM was just decimated. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was a big part of, you know, why you're so short with people, you know. Like when you've got a concussion, you can't really... That emotionality. Think that the emotionality is just gone. Yeah. So you're yeah. just like the switch. Um, and that was a big thing to kind of retrain for me. So that was even more critical at that point. But I obviously went through this process about five years ago mm-hmm. um, of getting my REM. Um, How were you measuring it back then? Uh, so I wasn't measuring sorry, REM back then. Uh, I was focusing on the sleep transition at that point of going into a better time. I think I, I got my aura ring about three years ago. So that's probably actually the period of a bit more accurate. But even yeah. then, it's hard with 
any type of diagnostic around assessing which sleep stage you're in, which is actually why yesterday, was it yesterday, we um, we were really um, honoured to be able to mm. be sent the Dream 3. Yeah. And of course, that's one of the more clinically advanced um, wearables that will track your brain waves. So we've, we've had the, the Muse uh, mm. S for an, about a year now. That was one of the... Year around, yeah. Yeah, so when I went on the program, the executive health program, the Muse was one of the things that I got to be able to understand what was going on with my, with my brain waves. Um, but compared to um, between the Muse S and the Dream 3, the Dream 3 is more of the clinical space, so it's far more um, you know, highly attuned to what the, the brainwaves are. So I think you wore it for the first time last night. Yeah. Because, again, trying to assess true REM or true deep sleep, you can only do that through actually assessing brainwaves. Mm. And so yeah. that's that's what we're trying to yeah. learn more about. Because generally when you got like the aura ring and the bio strap or any kind of sleep wearable, they're indirectly measuring your sleep cycles. But the only truly way, true way to understand what sleep cycle you're in is to have tracking the brainwaves. Mm. Um, so for example, you know, your deep wave um, sleep is kind of that delta. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not getting that delta wave, you're not getting your glymphatic system working, therefore your garbage clearing system of your brain is not flushing everything out. So you're getting a buildup of beta amyloid, tau proteins, you know, all these kind of things. These are the things we know are associated GABA. with, <laughs> what's that? GABA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is a GABA um, period as well. So these are the things we know are associated with sleep cycles and that's why it's important to understand. But Sorry, the, glutamate, not GABA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the issue with, um, general wearables is they're obviously not tracking the brainwaves, they're doing it indirectly. So we want to know how accurate they are because obviously they've done the studies where they've compared it to EEGs um, yeah. and PSGs as well to see what the accuracy is. But I want to see what it's like subjectively as well. So biggest thing we're always trying to do is understand the importance and the power of the technology and that's where the dream comes in is to kind of start tracking the brainwaves um, and what I believe is a lot more comfortable um, approach to tracking um, sleep as well better than going to the sleep clinic mm. um, that's one thing I love about the aura it doesn't impact your sleep in any way mm-hmm. you don't feel it uh, this version of the bio strap we feel a little bit you know because it's kind of a little bit taller um, but they do have a new version coming out which we're looking forward to testing out um, have you tried whoop as well yeah whoops the HRV is just like I've seen they've come out 4.0 just recently maybe yesterday I was, I was looking through that um, but I'm still not impressed with what I've got. Um, the miniaturizing it a little bit, but from all the research I've seen, not of the four, I haven't seen the research around the four yet, but the previous models is the HRV just doesn't compare. Mm-hmm. It's not accurate. Um, so for me, the readiness score is an important element and I'm not interested in if it doesn't track heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some interesting things around which sensor um, you're using, uh, what type of infrared spectrum you're using, mm. things like that, which will define the accuracy of Yeah, because it generally is like a green light, which, mm. you know, it's like the Apple Watch. It's that green light uh, PPG, which is not a very accurate um, measure. Um, so like Aura, Biostrap, they're using red, um, for example. So that's going to get a better uh, frequency. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is interesting because, I mean, all of these wearables are coming out with sort of more um, improved optic sensors, mm. whatever it might be. Um, you've got to have your wits about you. I mean, we've, we've been sent so many devices to test. It's starting to become very confusing, all the acronyms, might I add. Yeah. Um, but it's what's fascinating is, again, the, the merging of the science with the human dance. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, not, if you're not wanting to wear it because it's not comfortable or it gets st- stuck on sheets or it you know, blinds you in the middle of the night because it's moving on your arm and it's like, ah, it's like a red light just wakes you up. Like, you know, little things that it's about human delight. 
I, I think that's where a lot of these um, companies miss the mark in trying to interface beautifully and delightfully with the human experience um, while maintaining clinically relevant data sets. Mm. I mean, much like the, the you know, Palm Pilot to, to, to Apple, you know, when, when there was plenty of touchscreens available with a little stylus for the longest time, it wasn't until you actually started to make, oh, actually, we've got your own little stylus here. Let's make that a little bit more user-friendly, you yeah. know, interface. And so it's this, it's trying to, to close the gap between the human interfacing and the data that I think is the distinguishing factor. And so plenty of these um, new wearables are advancing. But again, I think they're looking too much into the data side only and not the user experience and the behavioral elements around what you do with the data to make it powerful on a day-to-day perspective. Yeah. With, so, the, with the dream on your Instagram, you said that that company's moving into clinical stuff. So it has moved into clinical, yeah. So they're not really doing the... So, so it's not going to be really a thing. Is that right? It's purely uh, clinically, you know, for clinical it's, it's applications. It's definitely a thing uh, for clinical applications. So like, for example, sleep studies or for a so, Project so Auto, that, for that's, example. that's not really going to be something available to a consumer or you still get... Well, through Project Auto, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it kind of... Um, the reason they're doing that is it's, it's not a cheap piece of tech. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very expensive piece of tech because... So it'll of, be like something that belongs to somebody and they, instead of, like you say, going into a sleep lab, which yeah. is not a natural environment anyway, you here, take this home. Yeah, exactly. And, and bring, but like, but like we're in a halter. To, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, there's, there's a few variations in how they're doing with the clinical studies. So... Um, Obviously, with COVID, there's limitations around shareability of them as well. Yeah. So I think they, they um, through talking with them, they're good at about three different people as long as it's cleaned in between and all that. Um, but yeah, generally you wear it for a certain amount of period of time. Depends on the study and obviously the methodology around it all. But um, yeah, it's, they've, they were in the consumer market, but recently stripped that away to focus on um, yeah, the more clinical oh, side. Oh, yeah, here you go. Yeah. Um, because of the depth of data it provides. Um, so that's your new one, right? Yeah, it's a new one. So that's the Dream 3. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the Muse S there. Um, so you can kind of see the differences between them. That one's the topper, huh? Yes. That's yes. <laughs> <laughs> not flashing. Blinking light. Blinking light down on your face. Caramelize, you know, some of these things, which, you know, that they're beautifully made, and I take my head off to the design team because the it is blinking, hard to... Not well, under sleep time. So it, it, yeah. the lights turn off, yeah. Once you're actually recording, the lights tend to turn off. Um, so just trying to find the phone right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, which is another another question to kind of you know bring into it as well as you know with Wi-Fi receiving EMFs and all that. Yeah, um, th- these are the big things we're looking into the devices and making sure that uh, we're not overdoing it too much um, yeah. because you got to have like you know or you can put on Bluetooth and same with BioStrap and you know it's trying to find these elements where we can reduce these uh, environmental toxins because um, we know that's a carcinogen by the World Health Organization. You know it's a class two B mm. um, carcinogen, um, so we need to be extremely careful about that. And we're surrounded by it today, and we're going to be even more and more surrounded by it. So we need to be very careful. So put things on airplane mode. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. When you, when you said like catching on the sheets, um, like we're drinking some ketones here. One of the, one of the, one of the things that like fascinated me about the ketone is um, Verita Health, and it's interesting you're talking about sleep. Like you know, how do you feel? What's going on? And the Verita Health method works by having the continuous glucose and ketone meter go to the phone alert a health coach when those metrics are off mm. them calling them up and having a health coach conversation mm. how are you sick what have you eaten mm. how are you mm. feeling what's work like you know 
what's happening in your family? You yeah. know, what's what's going on? What what yeah. happened? And you know that that data is extremely successful in reversing diabetes and cardiovascular risk factors. Like, but back to the tech, how which which one was the best? Mm. Oh yeah, because yeah, we obviously tested uh, the two kind of market leaders, you yeah. know. So we had the Dexcom. That was uh, a five or six. Six G six. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've actually got a sensor, I think, up there somewhere. Um, so we had the G six and then the Freestyle Libre. Yeah. Um, and yeah, both fascinating to kind of see the differences between the two. So you're getting a little bit more data set with the Dexcom. So it's taking readings, I believe, every five minutes versus the Freestyle Libre, which is like every 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and the Freestyle Libre, they got two versions as well. They got the clinical version, um, which won't will essentially just read and store. Um, so the user won't see anything. So it could be powerful for a kind of clinical side. Then they have the ones that you have to tap. Um, so every uh, eight hours you need to tap it to make sure you capture the data with Dexcom it's just a continuous stream um, which is Wi-Fi enabled so it's, so it's talking to your phone correct yep yeah, so, it's so, that to, so it can offload its data yep so it can yeah. offload its data continuously which um, can be a problem because if you don't have the correct syncing or if something's broken it'll it'll, it'll alert you even if it's yeah. at three o'clock in the morning oh, there's been a couple yeah. of moments where it's just like we turned that done thing off or, is it or, making us or camping as well when we got no reception and it's just like so we got no data um, so there's, there's elements so no data and alert yeah yeah, yeah and alerts yeah the alerts are, because obviously these are designed for diabetics not designed for healthy individuals so yeah. we're taking a technology that has been used in a completely different area into a, a new um, healthy population healthy study. population so it's uh, there's obviously kinks that need to be yeah. um, ironed out with and it's all around who's like the, body literacy too really yeah. who's the female that won Iron Man this year oh, which one which Iron Man uh, Topor uh, uh, Wells Hannah Wells, I don't yeah, know. Did she win Iron Yeah, she probably did, yeah. 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 So she, she has an athlete. Yeah, so I think she's with Super Sapiens. I think I've seen yeah, um, right. who's using that, which is the Freestyle Libre. Okay. Um, so they're just using Freestyle Libre technology and creating their own algorithm around it to support athletes. Right. Um, yeah. But I thought that was like, I was like, oh, epic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, no. we did find the, the Freestyle Libre from a um, user experience perspective far more enjoyable mm. than the Dexcom G6. Um, so that was, you know, and it's also interesting around the waste, like we even talk about yeah, the waste that, that's uh, created that from, yeah. hmm. oh, I said to my dad, who's a bit of an engineer, you know, mechanical engineer, and likes to dabble, I was like, if you could find a way to simplify this, this device. Is that like click on, like, <laughs> yeah, and then they're thrown. Yeah. Well, one they're use. Thrown away. <laughs> yeah. So much waste. And the, the one other benefit of the Freestyle Libre versus the Dexcom is Dexcom's bigger unit um, versus, it is. it's okay. just like a little dot, which is much nicer to wear. Um, I found similar lot, profile, yeah. more slippery, and lasts longer too. Instead yeah. of ten days, it was fourteen days. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And how did you compare? Yeah, so generally, uh, Rage would have a higher um, glycemic response than I would. Um, and clearance. Yeah, and clearance. Uh, she would go up and crash probably a little bit more than me, where I was oh, a so bit more. So you get a, a drop off. Mm, as I'd well. get a drop to below norm. Yeah, yeah. yeah for, for some things, for me, I was pretty flat line. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I just think, to be honest, I think, that it was, um, I think that's an Apple Android. So we have in the household an Apple and Android debate. Like it's he's Android, I'm Apple. Yeah. To do, I don't have an Apple um, MacBook Pro or anything like that, but my, my phone is Apple. Yeah. And so, of course, the how the graphs are displayed on the screen, uh, I think it's a bit deceptive. Oh, no, it's the numbers, you had, though. You had more spikes, than, but it didn't look like they were as high as mine because mine expanded oh no no when I'm you're just gonna say when you're addressing <laughs> the numbers though um so when you look at the numbers there was like she was heading up into the uh like would have a very high carbohydrate based meal and she would head up to the nines sometimes oh eights most of the time yeah yeah 
Oh, there's a kid to be a bit of variance in there, right? Like, but um, generally she would have a little bit more. But the difference with me versus Rage is I've been on this journey for a lot longer, right? So yeah. I've gone these, um, got the gut microbiome to a level in which can kind of handle a little bit more. And you know, I've, I've done a lot of the fat adaptation through Ironman, and so there's I think too often this is what i liked about the cgm is the individuality between it like we're going to be different mm. um mm. but how different are we how can we bring that closer um and, and you think that can this might be getting too finicky but can come into your combined meal prep <laughs> well you know the, i think that the th- thing we found out was if we follow a high carb load meal um or so precede a high like a high carb meal with high fats Mm-hmm. good fats whatever it might be even if it's an mct shot mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. it is that the glycemic response was um dulled mm-hmm. so um you know we learnt what things work well so then for example if we want to have that blondie cake or whatever it's like oh yeah let's have i don't know, again a shot of mct oil or perhaps some almond butter mm-hmm. um or something like that first to kind of help to dull that response we also found that for example being in the spa right after a high carb meal made our blood sugar go a lot higher and but, stay up for a lot, lot longer at least that's what yeah. mine showed have you, have you come up with a mechanism on that yeah i did i did look into it um I'm trying to remember off the top of my head so now. you're getting it do you think you're getting a endogenous dump as well yeah, so it's pretty much just your system. Um, I think it's... Uh, I, I don't want to stipulate on it. I can't yeah. remember off the top of my head. I did look into it at the time. Um, but yeah, it's just a natural bodily response uh, to stressor, right? So it's a hormetic stress, um, so your body's just responding to it. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to stipulate on the mechanism mm-hmm. off the top of my head right now because I can't quite remember it and I want to get it right. Um, can, but you, Can you talk about your Coca-Cola journey how it wasn't yeah. really on the meter but it, you felt like shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like I, I put it out to social media i was like what do you guys want me to test you know like you are obviously not many people have access to these technologies so you might want me to test something for you even though there's going to be the individuality to it and you know um is there foods that you guys want me to test so coke zero was one of the things that came up um because you know it's not supposed to have a glycemic response which it, it didn't have a glycemic response in me um but I'm somebody that doesn't drink fizzy drink as well. So it was an interesting process and the resistance I had to it was quite embarrassing. <laughs> like I, I remember getting it from like the mobile just on uh, Cambridge Road there. And I walked out to the road and I just didn't even, like I was obviously jumping into my tailored ute and I, I was yeah, like, with a coke. yeah, with a coke. And I felt so embarrassed. I was like hiding it in my arm. I was like, it, it's quite ridiculous. Like the levels was like, I felt so unhealthy, like going to the counter and everything. Like I just, I never drink fizzy drink because yeah. uh, there is no nutritional value in it whatsoever. Unless you're in the back end of an Ironman. Yeah. Um, then that's when I would drink coke was when I was in the back end of an Ironman. That, that was amazing then. Um, but yeah, in general, I just don't touch the stuff. Uh, so yeah massive resistance to having it and then when I did have it um, I didn't enjoy it either like it wasn't pleasant at the taste Um, and yeah no glycemic response but what I did find is about I would have been nothing about 45 minutes and I did a video afterwards Um, I just crashed and I just felt like terrible I did this process when um, we had our kids in the house as well and I was, they just they, they're like oh you're not looking so good very good like because it's interesting for them to learn right like because yeah. obviously when you go from not having something to having something you're a lot more sensitive to it and yeah I got a headache about 45 minutes in and then just energy just keep crashing and I had to go for a nap yeah. I was just exhausted um, because and then after that nap I was craving sugar 
<laughs> because obviously my body's got this intake of sugar and it's like I need some more sugar. So although that didn't give or, me a glycemic not sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, or, your, your tongue, you know, tastes the sweetness yes. and then your body expects the calories and, that come and there's this dis- disconnect. Yeah, when there's that disconnect, you know, so and this is what happens with most people that have these drinks, right? Like they, they go have their Coke Zero and then they're like, Oh, craving my biscuit. Was a biscuit or some chocolate or you know it's that kind of mid-afternoon they might have the coke with lunchtime and then around that 3 p.m they're like oh i need, need yeah, something donut. sweet mm. yeah Piece and then, of cake. then they go and do that and then that vicious cycle keeps persisting right yeah. um so yeah no like obviously um objectively nothing happened subjectively pff, won't touch stuff <laughs> <laughs> nice i'd love to talk to you guys all day but i know you've got another meeting <laughs> yeah got another podcast yeah, we actually we've probably got a little bit more time if there's anything else we want to cover. Yeah, or well, if you've got more time, I'll I'll stay as long as you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I'm actually quite curious. I'm going to come back to you. Yeah. So you've been with your little um your reel of all of the people that you've been interviewing and mm. and you know on on your podcast and um what what do you feel like oh this keeps coming up like when it comes to I guess lifestyle design and in health and well-being and in you know, what people choose to do and how they become the product, right? Mm-hmm. What do you find as a persistent and consistent theme of well, all the people you interview? Like, uh, there's a little bit of self-selection going on, of course, because yeah. I first select the guests and then <laughs> I'm the one asking the questions, so it's my curiosity. And then I always finish with, well, not always, but initially I finish with that, what's the flow going on? And I... The reason why I ask that question is because a lot of value out of it. And <clears throat> I think it's what you mentioned before there, Luke, about coming back to those fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And often things are, you know, the 10-year overnight success. It's the, it's like incrementally doing the thing, trying to um, have practices or um, prompts or... Um, accountability to things to keep you on track keep you incrementally growing mm. flowing you know going going down the river you know the, the analogies are endless you know mm. yeah, the iceberg yeah iceberg resistance you know yeah. like you're just trying yeah. to get on that path and um i think also like you said rachel with the i'm going to do this making a decision to to do it is so powerful mm. and like then once the decision's made then you can do it mm. and, I, and I look back at my own life that and I, and I don't know whether it was good or bad I have moments where I go I wish I'd never gone to university but <laughs> at 12 years old going that looks freaking cool I'm going to do that how do I do that mm. well you do science and maths at school you go to university and you do that mm. you know my journey wasn't straight but having that was like right that's what I've got to do and it just took a massive load mm off of everything and yeah there's there's something in the the decision and then the process like you said and yeah that's that's kind of you know a little bit over 200 people or Mm. episodes that's kind of what keeps coming up yeah it's like that same right yeah where are you going and how do you break it down and get there yeah and 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 it's it might just be age and stage but I've started really thinking legacy, like really mm. thinking time, how how things are spent, you know, out our day to day, quarters, years, mm. you know, yeah, and it might be children, you know, all all, yeah. all, all the things. It's just I think 
legacy what are you doing how does it play out what's your process and yeah i guess trusting it yeah there's a really cool thing i saw that where there's this big board that has the number of days you're probably still going to be alive a number number of weeks yes that's my journaling Thirty-three thousand. yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and and my so the other side of that is eighty-six thousand four hundred. is how many seconds there are in the day yeah so like the thirty-three thousand for me is you know the days are they're clicking away and that Mm. board's amazing because like if know you like me you just turn 33 you're like wiping off so much of that board yeah um but then on the 86,400 there are so many seconds in the day if that one second didn't go that good you've got got the opportunity yeah Yeah. so what is your legacy you want to leave uh it's improving people's lives so um why i do things is improving people's lives to help them see the world to the best of their ability so I can narrow that down to what I do in the day or broaden it out. You know, you can try and make impact with people that you meet and things like that. Um, I can highlight people's journey in this podcast. I can touch on it from my personal um, experience, how um, I can mirror back what someone has in, in the podcast. And then I can, so the podcast tagline is life less ordinary. I can show there are other ways of doing things if mm. you're if you're struggling. Or if you are on a nice path and in, in, in flow, what are the little elements of that person's life that you can take out? Mm. So, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Right, it's interesting when you look at your life outside of just your lifespan. Mm-hmm. So as a part of Tailored Tech, we have a 500-year vision. Wow. And it's you know, to service our great, 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 great grandchildren. <laughs> and I have to make sure there's four of them in there. Um, but it's uh, one of those things where... Greed and some of the worst behaviors and traits of being human is exacerbated when it's all about scarcity mm-hmm. and that you've only got one lifetime to enjoy. Mm-hmm. When you start to broaden out, and which many indigenous cultures do, right? They they have centuries that they they plan out and different generations that they plan out. When you start to look at the picture where you're, you know, you are a part of a cog of a ginormous clock, but it's still a cog nonetheless. And then what can that cog do to um, give increase to another one or to change the cogs in the way that actually hopefully creates a better outcome? And, you know, when you think about in five year, 500 years time, um, you know, where we see or where we want to we make sure we take the, the, the universe because, mm. you know, we, we exist is to a place where organic and inorganic intelligence can work and live symbiotically together. Mm. So if artificial or augmented intelligence exists, let's make sure it's this beautiful dance in relationship with organic intelligence Mm -hmm. in the way that they each become better because both exists. Mm. And, um, you know, when you're you're trying to design new technology that has the foresight of this dance, this beautiful symphony together, um, how do you ensure organic creatures, um, in this case, for example, humans, are at a point where they can make really empowered decisions that outlasts their lifetimes, um, that is around being the ancestor we want to have in the future, and is able to lean upon technology in a way that makes them better, not worse? Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we curate that? And then equally, how do we build or birth a technology in a way that the placenta is um, has a foundational construct of, of um, you know, understanding this relationship of being a part of a bigger thing because it exists and being a companion to another thing, another life form, 
um, you know, birthing or creating the placenta that forms the AI, right? That is about that dance between the organic and, and, the, and the inorganic is something that is going to be hopefully beautiful. And then how that impacts other um, carbon-based life forms. So we're making you know sure that, for example, that technology, when it does a lot of the simulations and such, can also be applied to animals that perhaps, for, you know, for example, might have been endangered species or um, perhaps are the, the rats or the chimpanzees that when we're doing drug t- trials, we don't have to expend their life because mm. their life's still valuable. Mm. Like how do we actually start to simulate that? You know, a lot of, of the biological con- constructs and the engines into the digital space, which looks at health outcomes in more of a, you know, living hundreds of lifetimes and what is the path of least resistance to our optimal health? Like, I know we haven't really touched on what we're doing at Tayyad Tech with the digital twin, but um, you know, we're really trying to leave a legacy that is more about honoring life and then equally um, crafting yeah, a beautiful relationship between the inorganic and organic version. Yeah, so it's like freeing them up because uh, I think the biggest thing that holds us back from really living our higher purpose is our health, generally. Because mm-hmm. without a foundation in health, you have no performance, therefore you can't have a higher cognitive um, thought process, right? You can't think about climate change, you can't think about politics, you can't think about like uh, COVID and all the, all the kind of bigger things you know that the world needs to solve right now that you just, you're focusing on just getting, getting by day to day. So if we can free people up to... Not the health just happens, you know. The health is um, guided and by a benevolent dictator, and you know, it's there supporting them, guiding them in a healthy, honourable way. Um, that they don't need to think about. It. It's no second thought. That's just base. Mm. Uh, then we can have a society in which really can um, uh, what's the word Ex- extend into you know. Um, uh, high purposes um so yeah that's kind of what we're all about i guess yeah so that kind of gives us a 500 year vision part of that we've got a 15 year business plan and then our next projects is the next two years and um yeah it's journey into the cell journey into the cell <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean it's it's about that you say benevolent dictator which is always again language benevolent companion um with you know the the actual augmentation so i know we've actually been talking about this is a whole different conversation we've been having with bio i'm sorry no bio bio, um sort of cultural shifts and countries and um we're reading a book that's talking about uh culture architecture and things like that where we you know it's saying some places have dictatorships and Mm. some are more democratic capitalism and so we've been right in the middle of that so i think that's where that's i think i've mixed it up yeah (laughs) Yeah, the the languaging is very very important it was was, um cool you were talking there about the combination and and sort of symbiotic relationship that we could have and the beauty and the love um one of my favorite people to listen to is lex friedman and on my way here i was listening to him speak to i think it's john donaher who's a kiwi guy who's a very good jiu-jitsu coach Mm. um in the states and um, they were they were trying to um, talk about a uh, robot that could beat a human in jujitsu. Yeah. And rather than Lex talking about chess and go and and um, Alpha Zero and 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 things like that, John actually went into the history of it, and he brought up the beautiful fact that actually average chess players, in combined with Alpha Zero, can beat very good chess players. Mm. And that's what he that's what he's said to Lex he's like um, I can't re- remember the name of the practitioner that he coaches but um, I think that you could create a, 
a robot to beat him, but you couldn't create a um, cyborg this um, fighter and robotic learned um, cyborg. Basically, you couldn't beat that. Is it? You know, it's the beauty, the symbiosis of, yeah. of the organic and the artificial, which will always win out. And yeah. And, and yeah, that's what um, Lex is always talking about: his love for Spot. Mm. You know, he wants humans to love and see the beauty in robots. And yeah. it's just like, well, I mean, his ultimate goal is to try to cure loneliness. Yeah. Right. I mean, so Dr. Friedman is, you know, he's so passionate about um, this again, this beautiful symbiosis, this this dance. I think he calls it. And it's like, you know, how do you overcome the human condition of loneliness through some really delicate interweaving of emotional intelligence and interrelationship with an inorganic intelligence? And yeah. there is actually, funnily enough, we emailed him a couple of weeks ago to try to um, get him uh, sort of having conversations about what we're doing with Project Otto uh, because there are so many similarities and alignment sets with what we're trying to craft, with what he's obviously or you know also t- talking about and, and very passionate about. But the thing that um, really resonated with us during some of his podcasts was the discussion around human loneliness and, um, again, that, that delicate dance. So it'll be interesting to see with all these um, such magnificent minds that are, that are really pioneering the, the thought leadership on what these relationships could look like, that we're seeing more of those people and they've got more platforms to be able to discuss it mm. um, at length. So we're in the right time and place. Yeah, and it's, you know, speaking of 500 years, you know, we might be alive. Um, David Sinclair yep. is another person that's about to start communicating. Yeah. Maybe being alive in 500 years. <laughs> yeah, there's so much responsibility there, though. Because, I mean, oh, if we're overpopulation, right? There's already overpopulation elements. And then if you're extending people's lifespans, then obviously that becomes an interesting conversation, which I know he, you know, Dr. Sinclair had a whole chapter on um, about the responsibility of overpopulation and, and longevity. But I, what I'd like to, to challenge is health span, yes. right? Not just lifespan. And which I know has been coined, you know, it's very popular in this space, but, you know, how do you ensure that not only people live longer, but they're healthier for longer and they equally have the body literacy and the purpose, like an understanding of their purpose to actually create something beautiful from their extended life mm-hmm. rather than just becoming more of a potential virus that we see or parasite <laughs> with some parasitic behavior that some humans exhibit which we all kind of exhibit in in some respects where we you know consume natural resources for our own benefit and our own survival how do we kind of start to knit that out yeah. of some of our behaviors and, and purpose-driven kind of approaches yeah because like david sinclair talks about in his book you know what if you're uh, dictator or boss never left you know yeah. like so he's he's there for like a hundred years you know as your boss like like there, there's there's got to be a handing of the guard um yeah. well, we're already extent. seeing that in the states eh? it's like yeah healthy elderly people uh i think it's brett weinstein i never know which ones which um saying like you know where are the adults in the room can the old people leave us alone so the adults in the room can start up and still got granddaddy it's also looking at the requalifying like we talk about how you requalify for your job so at the end of the day and even with relationships Mm. we've talked about it with with our own relationship is um you know one of the biggest concerns around your long-term relationships is you start becoming really complacent Mm. um we have our own real interesting protocols and ways in which we keep things um, alive and ignited, you know, through date mornings and this cool black book that we've got that goes through certain questions every week. Um, but the point being, it's trying to actually have that really open, the open communication around reapplying. So, mm. are you still kind yeah. of, you know, as as sort of transactional as it feels, but you do it in a more <laughs> a softer way? 
but you know are, are your needs your basic needs being met do you know what your needs are this is the other person know what they are too and then how are you ensuring that you're coming together to actually do this for life rather yeah. than just for convenience yeah no jimmy hunt's coming up again <laughs> he, he was um talking with his he calls it wife but they're not legally married they had they had a ceremony they've both mm-hmm. been married and the husband and wife but they're not legally married oh yes yeah. but um yeah they they sort of made the mantra that today they choose each other mm-hmm. yeah and it was it was a nice conversation that was, it, it's um titled should you get married mm. um, <laughs> which is, is, a, is a can of worms of course but it's that consideration of of like that's a beautiful thing you just said there like do I know what my needs are and do you know what my needs are mm. and vice versa? And um, if we don't know in ourselves, how are we supposed to communicate that? And are we mm. communicating with it? Do, do you know? Do I know? And yeah. how, can we work as a team? To well, this is the whole product, right? The product, Like you, yeah. ask, you ask someone to create a product, mm-hmm. right? If it's on the tech world, obviously you're the tech product developer. If you say you want a product, but you have no requirements, <laughs> right? So we use a Moscow principle. Must have, should have, could have, won't have. Right. Moscow. That's the, that's the acronym you use often with um, product development. And it's like, we are the byproduct of how we, again, think, live, eat, move. If we don't know what are our Moscows, how do we make sure we create us as a product that we want? Mm-hmm. So what are the must-haves in my life? What are the, the, the should-haves? What are the could-haves and what are the won't-haves? Mm-hmm. And what you know? how are you navigating? Well, I'm not going to get this from the relationship. And that's okay because I actually don't need that. It's a nice to have. But um, but what are the hard must-haves that I need to communicate? Mm-hmm. And again, talking about health span and lifespan and, and leaders, um, all this is requiring this really interesting human construct around, again, real transparent communication mm-hmm. around what do we want from our leaders? What do we want from our relationships? If you don't know what you actually want, how do you know you're going to get there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like testosterone, you know. Hmm. So do you want a health vitality approach or do you want the forever fasting approach? Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was having a discussion with my mate the other day about testosterone. He's, he's in, the, in the middle of the normals and he was like, well, what are the things that might be lowering? And I said, well, Andrew Human did a very good job on Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss of going into it. Yep. Uh, but... On, you know, a lot of it is plastics. I know he has, you know, he went through a phase of, of doing um, figure and he has a bunch of Tupperware containers around the place and he knows mm-hmm. that doing the figure and losing all the weight and doing the crazy things wasn't that good. You know, I said, well, you know, there's some simple things, but, you know, the sleep and the movement and, you know, mm-hmm. it's a process, you know, mm-hmm. going to be well, on a road. That, that's your rim, right? Like, I think uh, yeah. even, I'm pretty sure Andrew Humans even uh, discussed that as well. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, actually, no, that was with... Um, uh, God. Uh, why we sleep? Um, oh, Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker mm-hmm. talks about um, REM is when you're getting your um, uh, your testosterone, which mm-hmm. you'd you'd think would probably be more your kind of your delta wave, your um, slow wave, your um, deep sleep. But no, it's actually in your REM, which is you getting your biggest testosterone boost. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, if he's getting up too early, he might not be getting his testosterone. Yeah, and yeah, that takes you back to the individuality, the chronograph, chronograph. Chronology, Chronology. yeah. Yeah. Chronotype, yeah. Chronotype. I mean, that's the the thing is where a lot of, um, sorry, some of the health influencers, thought leaders, um, take a more reductionist perspective. 
Um, but the reality is, is uh, you know, so we precision healthcare and precision yeah. lifestyle design is far more appropriate for for our species. Now, at the end of the day, like I mentioned before, humans from a biological perspective have very specific engines. And like all carbon-based life forms, they will work a certain way and there will be, you know, physics and um, fluid dynamics and activation energies and all these kind of mathematical elements. He's an engineer, so... You know. <laughs> right, right. But the interesting part about that is um, while we have core functionality as a part of just being a living, breathing, carbon-based life form, a lot of the mindset and lifestyle and you know influences all of that, and I think that's the often underbaked part of health mm. is, and we're learning more about it, is the more you think that you are, the more you are, which seems so woo woo. Is that Lup- Lup- Lupton? No, who's Lupton? Bruce Lupton? Not sure. He's uh, <laughs> like uh, a Lupton, a Lupton, and a, and a Lupton. Uh, <laughs> pretty sure both of them so would be as well. It's yeah. like so confusing, but Super it's like. Confusing. If you can um, sort of think your mindset and, and create those sort of happy hormones, mm. you, you can move move your physiology a little bit that way as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But it's, such, it's completely like the antithesis of what we're taught hmm. in some respects, or at least because we can't necessarily measure it very well around if I think this way, if I think and... Um, you know, sit here and have my abundance meditations and all my things, which actually, I know I've got a great YouTube video, which is like Jumanji. It's an abundance meditation. It's like a Jumanji game. If you want some changes in your life, you want that YouTube video. I call it the Jumanji video. So we can perhaps put it in the show notes. But um, suffice to say, I think there's hopefully some new and exciting research around how these mindset practices truly change the biochemistry in your body and in what way. Yeah. Um, but there's some really cool, innovative and work being done in the you know, neuroscience perspective to see how you know what you think actually is and does. Yeah, but what we really need to see is we need to see a marriage of the you know the data with the behavioural kind of psychology because too many people are just focusing in on the data. They're really mm. just that's the scientist looking at the data, but they're not marrying the two together. So until we um, see people in that space of this is, this is to convince yeah because like this come, to yeah. come in isn't it. Yeah, so this is a big part to adopt. of... Well, not necessarily pull, pull them into adopt because you've got to be at that point of wanting to adopt. Like, mm-hmm. we can't force people to adopt. But capturing people where they're at um, and then transferring them across, but understanding how to nudge them in that right direction. And this is the big thing we're doing with tailored um, technologies is, and tailored health and performance um, because everyone is focusing on the data, but no one's really looking at the behavioral psychology. So part of what we're doing with uh, tailored technologies is we're looking at... Uh, funding PhDs into behavioral psychology because if we can't help people make the changes, it doesn't matter if we have the best data in the world, we're not going to make the changes. Um, so we need to take a step back from the data and actually look at how, at the human and have a human-centric approach. Um, so that's at the heart of everything we do is really looking at the human first and then uh, comparing that with the data so we can bring the two together. Love it. Mm. Should we wrap? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. No worries. Beautiful, huh? Four Thank people. You. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, first time using three mics. Is I know. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so it sounds like it will be uh, hopefully our future. You'll see more with two people on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, as I was saying to you offline, uh, going to the second show, that's you know, people think it's a hundred podcasts. It's not. It's just one of my interests. But yeah, I'll be at the second show, so there will be a run of uh, people that are hunters. But uh, yeah, life less ordinaries. Not about yeah. not about uh, boxing someone in, so yeah, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be good fun, and yeah, hope, hopefully uh, talk with a few more people, and 
maybe get a fourth mic in there as well. I know. Seeing as there's you've, a, you've, as there's you've a got hole. the option, I know. Why not? <laughs> I think the issue there is you're going to have to have two cameras. Yeah. Going yeah. kind of separate directions. So you Probably get everybody better cameras in. and laptops too. Well, at least we, at least we cleaned off the lens. Yeah. No, That's a win there. That's very nice. <laughs> takes, takes a woman's touch sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Little things, man. Yeah. Awesome. Let's well, get out of these headphones. <laughs>